His name was Theodore, but most people called him Ted. Ted was raised going to worship services, something like this one. He wasn't a big fan of the sermon, but he was drawn to the music and the ceremony. You see, at a young age, young Ted liked poetry and rhymes. And hymns of the faith provided plenty of examples of rhyming. Now, as he grew up, Ted's religious upbringing became less important to him. But his love of poetic rhyming continued. And it was that love of rhyming that eventually led him to become an author of children's books. He got one idea for a book while he was brushing his teeth the day after Christmas. He says that he looked in a mirror and he saw a Grinchish look on his face. And thus, Theodore Ted Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss, birthed the idea that became the beloved book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. As you are most likely aware, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is the story of how every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch who lived north of Whoville did not. Don't worry, I'm not going to rhyme the whole sermon. <laughs> the Grinch devised a plan to stop Christmas from coming. And he crept into the Who's houses and he stole their presents and he stole their decorations and he stole their food. And then he waited for the boo-hoos of all the Who's who would realize that Christmas was not coming. But to his surprise, the Grinch did not hear crying, but he heard every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, singing without any presence at all. And in response, the Grinch spouted out, it came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. As Christians, we may be tempted at that point to read into the story and say, Dr. Seuss, you're talking about Jesus. I hate to burst your bubble. But the truth is that Mr. Geisel worked very hard to try to make sure that this story was as non-religious as possible. He was actually amused that there were people, Christians and non-Christians alike, who read his book and thought that there was something religious going on. In one interview, he was asked about the religious connotations of how the Grinch stole Christmas, and Geisel basically rolled his eyes 
and said ministers read a lot in, of religion into it, but you can fill up a vessel with anything you want. That non-religious take on the Grinch story is further confirmed by the 1966 animated TV special. I'm sure some of you have seen it. You might remember at the end of that show, there's a star. And I remember as a child thinking when I saw that star, I was like, oh, that's the star of Bethlehem. I was wrong. Because Geisel was adamant that in the show, that the star shouldn't come down from heaven. Instead, he wanted the star to rise from within the group of who's singing, Welcome Christmas, Fahu Damus. Welcome Christmas, Fahu Ramus. Christmas Day will always be, here's the important line, just so long as we have we. Just so long as we have we. In other words, Dr. Seuss advocated that Christmas is really all about us. Now, I want to give him some credit. He rightly railed against the materialistic, consumeristic vacuity of how modern Americans miss what's important about Christmas because of our obsession with bigger, better, brighter, more, more, more. But in doing so, he still missed what's most important about Christmas, the Christ. In an attempt to hallow Christmas in some way, Dr. Seuss actually hollowed out the holiday. When we have we, when we are left to ourselves, we tend to make a big mess of things. Think about the celebration of Christmas itself. Christmas in our culture can be a cacophony of chaos and commotion. A clattering, clamoring clutter. A confusing conglomerate of crossbred contradictions carelessly careening the crowds in cockamamie capriciousness. You've seen it. We've taken something that was meant to be clearly about Christ. After all, his name is clearly prominent in the word Christmas. And we've jumbled it up and mumbled it up into a muddled patchwork quilt made out of a few pieces of silk and a whole lot of burlap. Our society's version of a nativity scene might include Mary Joseph, little baby Jesus, the shepherds and the wise men, but it would probably also include Santa and Rudolph. Oh, and let's not forget Frosty and his hat and Ebenezer Scrooge, and Buddy the Elf. And can we really have a Christmas nativity scene without Clark Griswold, or, Greg ba or George Bailey, or Ralphie with his Red Ryder BB gun? Maybe in that nativity scene we could have Krampus lurking about in the background. 
And we always have to have a diehard like John McClain bringing a gift for baby Jesus. And there's got to be a salvation bell ringer, salvation army bell ringer, right? And then let's throw a few Walmart associates in just for good measure. With that kind of mishmashy mayhem going on at Christmas time, no wonder, even those of us who want to keep Christ the center of Christmas have a difficult time doing so. You feel me? As long as we have we, without Christ, we're in dire straits. And not the cool money for nothing kind. Those of you who lived in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. In the scripture passages we've heard tonight, and in the songs that we've been singing, we hear a better message than us with us. Instead, we hear the good news of great joy of God with us. The God who humbled himself to enter our world as a helpless baby in order to rescue us from the mess we've made. The child who is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one who brings light into our darkness peace into our conflict, joy into our misery, comfort into our anxiety, and both justice and mercy into our corruption. This is what we celebrate. He is what we celebrate. This child called Emmanuel because he truly is God with us. This child named Jesus, which means the Lord saves because he really will save people from their sins. This child who is proclaimed Lord, even from his birth. This child who would exchange a wooden manger for a wooden cross and an earthly grave for a heavenly throne so that we who believe will be with him in his kingdom of righteousness, joy, and peace forever. This is the Jesus we celebrate at Christmas. And this is the Jesus worth celebrating. He really is the reason for the season. In fact, he is the reason for all seasons. He is the reason for every good thing. Folks, I know that in this life, not just you, me included, we're all tempted by continuous, the continuous call of commercialism. We're all tempted by the attraction and allure of adornments. We're all tempted by just the way we're skewed to self-absorbed, self-centeredness. But as one hymnist once wrote, if we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, 
then the things of this earth will grow strangely grim, dim in the light of his glory and grace. When I was in my 20s, I had a good friend who wanted to throw a birthday party for me. And he was a good guy, and I really appreciated what he was trying to do. But part of what he did was he, decide, he decided all by himself that wouldn't it be fun to play kids' games at Stuart's birthday party? And so that's what he had planned to do. He had pinned the tail on the donkey and the um, musical chairs, several games like that. Problem was, I didn't want to do those things. Do I look like a guy who wants to play and pin the tail on the donkey? No. He got really mad at me, really upset. A few days later, he came to me and he apologized. And he said, Stuart, I'm sorry that I took something that was meant to be a celebration for you and I made it about me. Folks, this Christmas, let's not make Christmas about us. It's fun to open presents. It's fun to play games. It's fun to do all kinds of Christmassy things. But if we're really going to say that Jesus is the reason for the season, then let's act like it. Let's really put him central. Let's really put him first. Let the first thing on our lips be Jesus and the last thing we say is praise be because Jesus is worth celebrating. We don't want a hollowed out holiday. We want a holiday that is holy because of Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, forgive us for how we often want to hollow out the holiday we call Christmas and make it about everything other than you. But Lord, we are thankful that you are the good God who put on flesh and dwelt among us and went to the cross and went to the grave and then came out of the grave alive so that we would be yours forever, that our sins would be washed away. And even as we come to this table tonight to celebrate what you've done for us, will you please give us, every single one of us, a greater love for you, a greater passion for your glory, and a desire to have you always on our lips. And this we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.